It's great to see everybody up and chatting and talking, fellowshipping, being together. Man, Psalm 118, 24. This is a day that the Lord has made. Man, let us rejoice and be glad in it. Man, I hope you're rejoicing today. I hope you have a merry heart because another psalm says that he has done great things for us. And man, he does each and every moment. And I'm going to share a couple of those with you today. There's one that has touched my heart all week. The impact and the weight of this scripture really hit me this week hard. I hope I can share it with you in such a way that it impacts your life and lets you know just how much that not only God, but Jesus and the Holy Spirit as well loves each and every one of us. Psalm 139 will be our starting point. I tried to give everybody some uh, scripture notes on what we're going to go through. You can take notes with if you want, but Psalm 139 is where we're going to start. Most of them is going to be on the board, but I thought if you want to take this home, there's a couple of them for homework that if you want to read that chapter during the week, it'll help tie up some loose ends too because I didn't want to keep you three or four hours. I know you got things to do today. We got a lot of folks who are out because of the holiday weekend. We pray them safety to and from their destinations. Pray that they have a great time while they're there. And as we open up this morning, let's have a quiet moment of prayer to settle our minds and our hearts, to prepare yourself for the lesson, and then I will close us out and we'll get started this morning. Okay, let's pray. Fathers, we prepare to open up your word. We live by not our bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. And we're going to cover a lot of that today, Father, because that's what it's about, us learning about you and how much you have loved us. And so we pray that our eyes, our ears, our minds will be opened up, Father, to be receptive to your word. We pray that your spirit will be here with us as It anoints that word as it comes out and the power that you have placed in there. For your word is the power that you have endowed unto salvation. And we pray that if there's a heart here who's never been touched by Jesus Christ and has surrendered to that call, we pray that it will be today. We pray that you'll open that up and break down those boundaries, Father. And we pray that as we do this worship, that everything that we say, that we do, goes to honor and glorify you, Father, for that's what it's about. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 139, if you want to get there. And I want us to realize that as, as we go through these things, several of them is from Jeremiah or the Psalms. And I want you to know that these things that was written aforetime were written for our learning. And also it was written for doctrine to us. It might have been under Jeremiah's title, But it's directed to each and every one of us also as well. It wasn't just to him. That's why it's in this canon of scripture. Because all of the word of God is inspired and is profitable to each and every one of us. And so as we read these things, realize that this applies to me as well. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and God spoke to him and he said, Behold, 
Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Before you came forth from out of the womb, I had sanctified you. So think about that. Before we were formed in the womb, God knew who you were. He later tells Jeremiah in chapter 29 and verse 11, he says, I know the plans that I have made for you. That these are plans with thoughts of peace and not evil. Plans to give you a desired end. I have all of those things. And now as we go into Psalm 139, I want you to kind of travel down with me because I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to paraphrase. I'm going to give a Cliff Notes version of the important ones there. But go down along there with me. As we read through this, I want you to just see how special you are to God. How much He thought about you, each and every one of us. So Psalm 139 starts out and says, O Lord, You have searched me. You have known me. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar off. You are intimately acquainted with with all of my ways. And as I thought about that, some of those times may have been a little embarrassing. I need to work on that. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you knew it all. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me to grasp. I can't understand it. It is too high. Wherever I am, I cannot flee from your presence. If I am in heaven or if I am in Sheol, you are there with me. Your hand will lead me even if I'm in the remote parts of the sea. And you are the one who formed my inward parts. You, O Lord, wove me. You wove me in my mother's womb and I give thanks to you for I... And I want you to insert your name here. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame is not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, skillfully wrought from the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book, everything about my life was written And recorded in it before I was ever formed. You knew the days that were ordained for me. The steps, the number that I would take. When there was yet none of me even here. Your eyes have seen all of this father. And now I want you to listen and understand. He says as he closes out this psalm. How precious are your thoughts for me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would try to count them, I couldn't do it because they outnumber the sand of this earth. When I awake, you're still with me. The great I am, the God who is, who was, and is to come, says that before you were ever even formed, I knew you. I wove you. In your mother's womb. In my mama's belly. He knew me. And he had a book about me that has my DNA structure. You can take that. You can take a retina scan. You can take a fingerprint. 
and you're unique. Who and what you are is what God wanted you to be. We need to be rejoice and be glad in that. I am made in the precious image of God the way He designed me to be. And He knows everything in His book that's going to be there about my life. He has set it far. He said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I love you that much. And you know why? Because I am created like no one else. If you go to Genesis 1 and verse 28 and 26, God said there, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Do you know that there is not another created thing that was made in the image and likeness of God? But you are. You were created to be in His image and in His likeness. And in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, it also says that the Lord our God formed us from the dust of the earth and He breathed into man's nostrils the breath of lives. It's actually plural. Your soul and your spirit. It was with Adam. And man became a living being. In the Hebrew, there's a term that's called neshama. And neshama means the spark of life. And this clay shell of a body that was formed from the dust of the earth was not alive, it was not breathing, it was not anything until neshama, the breath of God, became the spark of life that ignited who you are. So a part of you is from God. And that is why... You are an everlasting being because God is eternal. And when He gives a part of Himself into life, it becomes everlasting. And no other creature had the breath of life like we have. God loves you that much. We have the breath of life within us. You were chosen to be who you are. A child of God, if you believe in Christ... Before the foundation of the earth. If you go to Ephesians 1 verse 4. It says he chose us. That's God. In Jesus Christ. Before the foundation of this world. That we would be holy and blameless through him. And he did all of that in love. Because he loved us. He provided a way before the foundation of the world for us. So don't you ever think. That you're alone? Don't you ever think that you're rejected? That you're forgotten? Because the thoughts that he has for you is continual, we saw. They outnumber the sands of the seas. His breath is within you. He knows exactly who you are. And he loves you. And through Christ, before the foundation of this world, he provided a way because he knew man was going to fall. And he chose us. To be that in love. Philippians 2, 6 through 8. Speaking of love, let's take a look at the Savior's love for us. This one is the one that blew me away. Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or to be held onto. 
But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, he was found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself to becoming obedient to the point of death, even death upon a cross. Wow. That's mind-blowing. Once you think for a minute, I want you to reflect upon what that really means. What that means is, is we all know John 3.16, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so that whosoever would believe in Him might have everlasting life. When we talk about the love of God, did you ever think about the love of Christ as it went into this thing? Because this scripture says, and it blew me away, that Jesus is God. <clears throat> and whenever they had this, <clears throat> they're trying, the devil's trying to stop me again, but he ain't going to. Excuse me. That he presented the plan to the Godhead and he said, I'm going to need a Savior. I am going to need someone as God to go to this earth and redeem man after they fall because he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And in that conversation, Jesus said, I love you so much that I will leave heaven. I will leave being God. He is God. He is equal with God. And he said, that's nothing to be grasped at if I can come and provide salvation for you. And it says that he emptied himself. He didn't stay as God and being glorified and worshipped and in power, but it says that he emptied himself of that. He became in the likeness and form of a man like you and I are. And he left all of that because he loved us that much. We talk about the love of God. The love of the Savior was, I will give all of that up. I will go down as a human being. I will become obedient and humble myself to death, to the point of death. And then it says, even to the death on the cross. You ever wonder why it says even the death on the cross? Why he put it that way? Because I want to tell you something about that. Galatians Chapter 6, or chapter 3, verse 13 says that Christ then redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become the curse for us, because it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs upon the tree. So in that conversation, thank you, in that conversation of Jesus giving up on heaven. Part of that was, is you're going to be cursed for them. You're going to go to a cross on the tree and curse it as everyone. And the God of heaven said, it is not for me to grasp and be equal as God, but I will empty myself, yes, even to the point of a curse, because God is holy. He cannot look upon sin. He cannot dwell with sin. But He's going to empty Himself of that and become who I am so that He can bear my curse and my sins upon the cross to die for me, so that I can become holy and blameless through Him to God. And so the God of heaven came down and He stretched out His arms. This is what it meant to Him. That night He was betrayed. He was beaten. 
He was scourged. He was humiliated. He was mocked. And it says that he stood before them as a lamb silent like it does before its shears. He didn't even scream when they laid him down on the cross and they pounded those spikes into him to hold him there. And it dropped in the ground and started separating the bones as he hung there. He didn't cry out in pain. But at 12 noon, when it should have been daylight, darkness came because God had to turn his back. And evil came down in the form of my sins. And they touched him. And he bore my sins upon the cross in darkness. The God who cannot dwell with sin took him on in the form of man and took mine on. And at that point, he did scream. And it says in Psalm 22 and verse 1, as it foretold of that, he roared. And the word for roaring means screaming. And it says, he screamed, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why are you so far from my deliverance? And it's because He became sin for me. Took those upon Himself. So don't ever think that you're not loved. Don't ever think that you're alone in this life. I cannot imagine that. That He loved me that much. We've talked about the love of the Father. Well, the love of the Son was that much. The love of the Spirit is so much... That he says, I will indwell them when they become a child of God. And I will live with them. And I will guide them. And so the Holy Spirit as well lives with us. And that's why it says that whenever we sin, we grieve the Spirit. And we quench the Spirit that is within us. Because He is there. And He is trying to guide us in those steps to be blameless before Him. And when we choose to do what we want to do, it says that the one who is living within us now is love is grieved and we quench Him. That's how much He cares about you. He wants to form a covenant relationship with you. He did that with Abraham. And did you know that we're all the sons of Abraham through faith? Romans 4 will tell you that. That's the homework for this week for you to read on your own. As you read through Romans 4, you will see that we are all by faith the seed of Abraham, and therefore the covenant of Abraham is with us. Turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 17. I didn't put this on the board because it's 14 verses, but I want you to see this for yourself. The covenant that God made with Abraham is a covenant that is everlasting to all of his seed, of which you and I are by faith through Christ Jesus our Lord. And in Genesis 17... In verse 1, that covenant begins like this. When Abram was ninety and nine years old, the Lord appeared to him and he said, I am the God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will establish my covenant between me and you. Abram fell on his face. God said, I will multiply you exceedingly. And as Abraham listened... God talked to him saying, As for me, behold, this is my covenant that I make with you. You will be the father of a multitude of nations. 
You no longer shall your name be Abram, but I am changing it to Abraham. I have made you the father of a multitude of nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you, and I will establish this covenant with you. It will be between me and you and your descendants that come after you throughout all the generations as an everlasting covenant that covers us as well. To be to you a God and for your descendants after you. And I will give to you and your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, the land of Canaan, an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And then God said further to Abraham, And as for you, you shall keep my covenant. You and your descendants after you through the generations. Verse 10. What is that covenant? This is my covenant which you shall keep. Between me and you and your descendants after you, every male child shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign. And that word means token, sign, an oath. It will be a sign of the covenant between you and I. Every male child, eight days old, shall be circumcised throughout the generations. Even the servants that are born to you or bought to you, shall be circumcised so that it shows that they are a part of this covenant. Thus, verse 13 says, You shall circumcise them, and my covenant will be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Verse 14 is the warning. But an uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off, from his people, because he has broken my covenant. Okay, Abraham, I've changed your name. Did you see any of the shadow of the old becoming into the new? Whenever we're baptized into Christ, do you get your name changed? Christian. We were first called Christians in Antioch, it says in the book of Acts. I'm going to change your name. You're no longer who you were. Now you're recognized as my children. I'm going to call you Abraham. I'm going to change that. I want you to walk before me. And I will be your God and I will be a God to your people. And here is the token. And that word is in, in the original was O-T-H. Oath. It's where our oath also comes from. When you take an oath... You are saying, I make a promise. I'm making a covenant agreement. I am going to do what we say between the two of us. And God said, here's our covenant. I will be your God if you will walk before me. And this symbol of that to everyone else is going to be circumcision. And and the male children that's in your house will do that. Anyone who refuses is a rejection of me. And they shall be cut off from their people because they refuse to sign that oath or covenant with me. So, as we go down through there, you say, I see the name change calling us Christian. I see the walking before God now in a changed life as well. But how does this circumcision thing fit in with me? And especially the ladies are saying that. But how does circumcision fit in with me through all of this? Well... 
I'm glad you asked. Let's, let's start and take our Sunday drive through Matthew 28 and verse 19. You know, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me of heaven and earth. So he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of, and that means by the authority of. So this comes from the authority of the Godhead, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then commanding them to do all things whatsoever I have commanded you. There's your walk before me. And I, here's God's promise, I will be with you throughout all of the ages. So there we're starting to see this carry over into the new of this covenant relationship that we have. Abraham in Romans 4, as we've said, is the father of all of those in faith through Christ Jesus, through this covenant. But you say you're still not getting there. Okay. Colossians 2. Colossians 2 is going to tie this thing up for us. Because there it says, starting in verse 6 and 7, You have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him and be built up in faith. There's our walk before Him reference. And then in verse 10 he says, In Him, in Christ... You have been made complete, and He is head. He is the rule over all authority. In Him, now listen, in Christ, you also have been circumcised. What? Yes, it says a circumcision not made with hands that removed the flesh by the circumcision of Christ upon you. How did that happen? I don't remember that. Verse 12, Colossians 2 says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which also you were raised up through faith of the working of God in your life, that also raised up Christ from the dead, then you who were dead in your transgressions and your trespasses of sin, has he now forgiven you of all of those things? He's canceled out the certificate of death that was issued to you, and... He wiped out the decrees by going to the cross. Remember how much he loved us that he emptied himself and went there? That was so that he could take away all of that. That if you will believe in him and do what he says, then through that water, he says, you've believed in me in faith, just as Abraham did. Then my covenant relationship with you to show the world what that is The same as in the old, it was the circumcision of the flesh. Now, through spiritual regeneration, the work, the handiwork of Christ, it says His operation as the doctor, through faith, when you were baptized into Christ, somehow, some way, He circumcised our heart and cut away the transgressions that was there and made us a new creature and a new creation in Christ. Isn't that marvelous? He took away everything and nailed it to the cross. And what we do through faith when we realize that is sign our covenant agreement with Him. And we only go through baptism. And you say, but wait, I thought it says you're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourself, it's the gift of God. It's not of a work lest anyone should boast. And I say, exactly. You say, how's that? Your sheet, if you have it, homework for this week, Hebrews 11. That's the chapter of faith that explains what faith is. You know what faith is? Doing what God told you to do. 
A lot of folks try to say that that's works, but it's not. As you go through Hebrews 11, you will see that it says, By faith, Noah moved with fear and built an ark to the saving of his family. I thought 120 years of building a boat without power tools, sweating each and every day and being mocked, I thought that was work. God's word said that was faith. You know why? Didn't make sense. It hadn't rained. But by faith, believing in what I tell you to do, even when it doesn't make sense, the outcome is you have a relationship with me. So it's faith, not works, when you move with fear and do what God said. So when he says to sign my covenant relationship to you, I have told you to go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit by our authority. That is faith. Because it doesn't make sense that my sins are circumcised in that water. But he says that it's true. And it's the operation of God. And when you do, now you've become a new creature in Christ. We start doing those things, as he said in Matthew 28, all the things that I've commanded you. You know what? As the body of Christ now, we observe those things. Let's take one of them, the salt and light. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount. He said there, I want you to be salt. I want you to be light in this community. And salt is an influencer. Whatever it goes upon, it flavors it. It makes it better. And he said, you've got to get out of your shaker and get into the community and get into each other and start influencing that and making it better. You are to be my ambassador. You're a light. Do you light a lamp like these and then cover them over? No, but whenever you become a light, you want to set it up on a candlestick so it will provide light to everyone who is in that house. And so then as we begin that walk with him before him, we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. He gives us gifts to do. And so I encourage you today that if you are here and you have not signed that covenant agreement with God, if you have not been buried in the waters of baptism to complete that deal, I pray that you do today because I hope that we just saw what that means. That brings us into a covenant relationship with Him. If you are here and you say, I've signed it, now what? Well, we start to walk before Him. We start to be salt and light. We start to be the people that He created us to be and to bring flavor and light to a community. And to do that, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14 tells us about gifts that we were given by the Spirit of God at that moment. And we're supposed to use those gifts, whatever it is. And you say, I don't know what it is. Well, it might be what you have a desire to do. What is your desires? We have a lot of needs. You know, this body of Christ here at New Life needs people who have a love for kids. We've got a lot of kids here. We've got a lot of kids in our community who need guidance, who need food. They need somebody in their life as an example. Is that you? Do you like kids and do you like to be an example? Then there's a way to serve and that's a part of your desire. Do you like to teach them? Then we need teachers for all of those things, nursery on up. And you say, well, that's not really... In my realm, what else? Well, what about mission work and benevolence? And you say, well, what's those things? Well, 
benevolence, helping to do things for others. We have a gleaners program where we come twice a month. We need volunteers for that. Did you know that we did this this last week and we had nine people show up to help pass out food to this community? And I will guarantee you that you will get more out of it than they do. They get a box of food. You get to see smiles. We served 95 on Thursday and on Friday another 20. So 115 people got a smile that you would get to receive as being the hands and feet of Jesus in the community. If you can drive, you can help. If you can sort things, we had to sort potatoes and cucumbers and things, didn't we, this week. That was the hands and feet of Jesus in this community. That's salt and light. That's being an influence upon people. You say, what else? Well, maybe you're mechanically inclined. Maybe there's folks in our body of Christ that has a car that they can't get to work in and they're going to lose everything because the brakes don't work. Maybe you can help with that because you're mechanically inclined. Well, there's dozens of ways. We're doing the mission work out there this week. We had a lot of volunteers and still volunteering to bring in water. We give the water of life out over here at the homecoming. We've been given a lot of different things. That's mission work. That's spreading the word of God to our community and trying to bring the lost in. There is so many different ways that you can serve. And you say, I haven't heard one yet. Well, I heard a new one this week. Someone said last night to us up there, do you have a clothing pantry? I have some things that I could donate. There's an idea. There's none of those here in town, is there? What about craft work? Is that your area of desire? Could you and some other folks get together and make some things for this upcoming winter? What about when the leaves fall that we can rake, clean out a gutter? There are so many different ways to serve and to share your salt and light. Start becoming a part of the body of Christ in motion and that will bring all of that back to us in saved souls that will not be perishing any longer because they saw or heard something from you as the hands and feet of Christ. And I pray as the worship team makes their way on back up and we go ahead and close this out, I want to just review some of the things that we learned today. You know, the love of all of the Godhead for us, that before we were ever formed in the womb, He knew who we were going to be. That He loved us that much and His thoughts and His plans for us are constant and innumerable. That you were created in the image of likeness of God and His breath of life is within you that give you that spark. Jesus gave up the glory of heaven for me seriously so that He could come down and do what He did so that I might be able to have a covenant relationship with Him. Through faith... We make that covenant relationship with Him and then we go on to be a part of the body of Christ to glorify Him in our life through what we do with those who are around us. So I pray that whatever it is, if you have a need to be a part of that body and you haven't signed the covenant, or if you have a desire to serve in one of those ways, or if you have an idea of other things that you haven't seen done or mentioned, I pray that you go to our two elders and you begin to voice those things to them so that we can have 
a glorious work of Christ began happening in this community that's orchestrated and balanced and that we serve together. But whatever it is, I pray that you take action today as we pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. That he loved us that much. To not be equal with you, but to empty himself. And to come to this earth and to endure what he did just so that I could have a choice to be in a relationship with you. Thank you, Father, for loving us that much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Yeah. 